Okay, everybody. Welcome once again to the Ground Zero for Panic this morning. Mental health comedy with Ed Krasnick and Jennifer Kalari. I'm Ed. Jennifer will be along shortly. And our special guest today is one of my favorite people. Very talented actress, writer, performer, Parks and Rec for many years, and uh, Mad TV for even more. Many movies, 40-Year-Old Virgin, so many popular movies. Mo Collins, uh, one of my favorites, will join us in just a few minutes. And I just want to tell you, look, all kinds of things happen, right? So my daughter, who's uh, in 10th grade, is on the internet. We're doing this show via the internet, but the internet is down somehow. (laughs) So we're all trying to, you know, sort of breathe and realize that everything's okay, uh, that life isn't as fragile as a phone or a computer. But it's hard to remember that. It's really hard to remember that. Now, our show is really about practicing mental health skills because we know what physical fitness is. We do not know what emotional fitness is. We have no context for that. And the thing about mental health is it's just the biggest topic. Like everywhere that you look, it's mental health, mental health, mental health. We have an initiative. We have a thing. We're going to help people. We're going to do all kinds of things. But very rarely do people actually show you skills that you can practice. Mental health is only as much, you can only have as much of it as you, as you will allow yourself to practice. And you don't have to do it perfectly, just the awareness that you can practice a skill. Like right now, I'm in a little bit of panic, so I could take a breath. I won't, but I could. <laughs> but just knowing that I could, that it's a choice brings you options, and that's what you want. You want choices about how you deal with your thoughts and feelings, your thoughts and your feelings. These are the two things, the two big components of mental health and how your brain works. And that's why Jennifer Kalari is along, because Jennifer works a lot with the brain and helping us rewire our brain. And uh, she has a wonderful organization called ConnectedParenting.com, where they teach skills, courses, works with all kinds of families, using all kinds of techniques. We need a big toolbox for mental health these days. This is what we're trying to do with the show. So we always have uh, emotional shout outs. We try to welcome in people no matter where they're at or what they're feeling emotionally. We're gonna do that again this morning and these are emotional shout outs. If you're binge watching murder shows and feel nothing, welcome. If you think national conventions should be done in the style of Hamilton, welcome. If your therapist asks you to do the hokey pokey to turn your life around, welcome. If you're telling time by how close you are to a panic attack, welcome. If you've taken an online class called karaoke or depression, welcome. If you're so mentally drained that you wear a colander on your head, welcome. If when a dry cleaner asks you for a ticket, you respond by yelling, why is everyone controlling me, welcome. And if you're so afraid of telling the truth that you avoid the game show to tell the truth, welcome. If you're dressing in a Civil War reenactment uniform just in case, welcome. And if you're beating yourself up even now, there's always a place for you right here on Mental Health Comedy. We have uh, several new sponsors this week. One of them is Montropolis. Montropolis is a mantra generator, which gives you personalized mantras that will help you and remind you during the day, giving you gentle reminders that you're okay. Everybody needs mantras in their daily life. I'm okay, I'm enough, I deserve love, whatever it is, 
mine is I'm not going insane even though I feel like crap. That's my mantra for the day. But Montropolis will do it for you. There are interactive games, programs, and evaluations of your personal strengths. It's the one place where you get your mantra, Montropolis. Also, MePS, which is a personal GPS with the voice of Eckhart Tolle. More on that later uh, as, it, as it happens. But right now, um, I want to bring in Jennifer. And Jennifer, first of all, I want to talk about, now you just came back from vacation, which is a great thing. How are yes. you doing? And let's, let's talk a little bit about, if we can, mental vacations. How do you take them? And can we have them now? <laughs> okay, that's a very good question. Yes, I just had a lovely vacation, actually. I was able to relax, which is very nice. And here's the thing. like We put so much mental energy into worrying and stressing. And we don't even think about it. We're not even aware of how much we do it. We're not even aware kind of of our emotional diet, right? What are we watching? What are we listening to? When we have conversations with friends or we go for walks, are we just like kind of bitching and complaining? And all of that keeps the brain in a state of high alert. It keeps your survival system on. And it's the survival system that's releasing cortisol and adrenaline, which are the biochemicals that make us miserable. You know, that's what gives us that feeling in our stomach or the feeling we get the tightness in our chest or we can't breathe or we just want to jump out of our skin and run down the street. It takes work to be like that. And it takes work to not be like that. So I always say to people, if you have time to worry and complain and stress and ruminate, then you have time to do the stuff you need to do to feel better. And it's just learning new strategies and it's new neuropathways and it's building a different brain that runs in a different way. It doesn't have to run the way that it's running. Right. It's where you're going to spend your time. We're always practicing something whether you're conscious of it or not conscious of it, you're always practicing something. You got all these thoughts that are flooding through your head like, a, like at a traffic light, like a freeway, an expressway of thoughts, and they're going and they're going and they're going. And we can actually choose to reach for better thoughts. We can actually drive our own brain. We can actually make choices about that. You talk about that all the time. And I actually have a driving test, a, 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 a brain driving test to get your license to drive your own brain. But that's coming up later. I've actually done that. Talk about that a little bit about what we pay attention to and what we don't. And little cues that you can use because there's a million thoughts. Most of them are not good. Most of them are about things we don't want or things that scare us. You know, how do you slow it down? There's no magic button, unfortunately. It's something you have to train yourself to do. You have to put the time in and then you'll see the benefits. So the first thing, and Ed, we talk about this all the time, is just being aware and not being mad at yourself. Oh, look at me complaining again. And look at me stressing again. It's funny because I, I run an organization called Connected Parenting, but it's really about self-parenting too, right? right. And self-compassion and self-care. So the first step is just kind of notice, oh, there I go again. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? I'm doing that again. So just stepping out even a little bit and having a moment where you have some awareness about what you're thinking about. It's so automatic for so many of us. We don't even realize it. And the part that's so important to understand is the limbic system, the midbrain is so primal. It cannot tell the difference between something you're worrying about, stressing about, remembering, envisioning in the future. It thinks it's all happening right now in front of you. And then you've got all these biochemicals that match that, adrenaline and cortisol. And if you're going through something that feels awful or someone just said something upsetting to you or you've gotten yourself in a bit of a spin, obsessing and thinking about something, take a moment, go right into it and say, acknowledge this pain. I acknowledge this emotional pain. I'm feeling it. 
this is what it feels like to worry, or this is what it feels like to be disappointed, or this is what it feels like to be scared something isn't going to happen. Just sit with it for a second, acknowledge the pain, acknowledge that it's information, and then you can move on to some of the strategies we talked about before, where you drop your tongue, you can change your breathing, you can immediately reach for the next best feeling thought. We spend so much time in our culture running away from feelings, and, I, and they chase you, and they won't stop. And they get bigger. So they get bigger, the voices get louder, and then, and this is when, I don't know about you, but this is when I start trying to avoid things, and I start binge watching or doing a lot of, a lot of stuff to try to numb myself because it's very painful, you know, and if you're watching and you're thinking, where's the comedy part of this? This is it. This is the comedy of life, is the crazy crap that we do to ourselves, right? Now, I have to tell you that I lost a lot of what you said because my internet went out. So my Uh internet is on now, but this is a classic example. I mean, this is the stuff that happens to us every day. There are many moments when your emotional internet goes out and you're receiving not the right signal, right? You're receiving a signal of distress and panic and just having a neutral thought. You just start thinking about anything that you like or love or that brings you some kind of pleasure will actually turn the ship around, right? It'll literally change the information that's circulating in your body. It's something that we're capable of doing. So when we run away from emotions, and by that we you know, distract ourselves or we drown ourselves in a Netflix <laughs> binge or whatever, or even drinking something or smoking something, anytime you use an external source to deal with that emotional pain, you're temporarily turning off the tap. But when you, when you come back to it, it's there and it's built up pressure now. That mechanism is meant to, you know, if something's chasing you, a tiger or something, right? And you're, you're a caveman or whatever, and you're, you're running and you're hiding. You hide in there until the thing goes away, and then you come out, and it's gone. And you assess what's going on, and you move back out into your life. But when you keep hiding and avoiding some of the emotional pain, you peek your head back out, it's still there. It hasn't gone anywhere. It's just waiting for you. And it's okay to use distraction and other strategies. You don't, it, I'm not saying you can't use that sometimes, but the initial running away from it is part of the problem. And we're so afraid of feeling things. And we even raise our kids this way. The second they're upset, we shove an iPad in their face or we buy them something, right? We want them to feel better. It, it hurts us so much to see them in pain that we immediately rush in and try to do a bunch of things to fix it, which is literally training that child that emotions like sadness, anxiety, all of those emotions are, are things to be feared and dealt with right away rather than just sit with it for a second. Let your body register it and then move on. I think the awareness and the intention are such big things that just having the awareness, just knowing that you can make a choice, even if you, consci- if you consciously made a choice to stay in bed all day, but you consciously made that choice and didn't beat yourself up about it, you'd be fine. You really would be fine. It's the non-consciousness. It's not making a choice. It's not being aware and then beating yourself up, which is Mm -hmm. really my middle name. My middle name is Ed beating yourself up Krasnick. It's too long to put on a driver's license. It is my middle name. Nobody does it better. Nobody does it worse. These kinds of things are really uh, important in today's world. Nobody teaches us the skills of how to think, of how to be aware of how to practice these things. And it is mental health is a practice. It's not a topic. It's a practice. So with that, I will uh, bring in our guest. You know, we go back a long way and we've had some pretty amazing transformational experiences. Uh, we've had him on some shows that, we, that we've done. 
but I've known her for years. And I, I was actually thinking about her today because I was playing some Garrison Keeler. She originally comes from, from the Minneapolis area. I was playing one of my favorite Garrison Keeler monologues called You're Not the Only One, which is so great if you ever get a chance to listen to it. You're not the only one. No matter what you think of him or what, what else, uh, uh, politically, political things, social things, uh, he had some great monologue. So with that, very talented actress, very talented improviser, great comedian, and a good friend, Mo Collins. Mo, uh, are you still, first of all, I think we're out of time. Are you still there? It's been great. Thank you, Ed. <laughs> <laughs> good night and goodbye. Yeah. You've gone through a lot of stuff in your life. I guess I'm wondering, like, where are you at now with, with the whole pandemic? And, and how, are you, how do you take care of yourself emotionally? What, what is it that works for you? Oh, well, uh, the way I take care of myself, I feel like has changed tremendously in the months, but that's because the pandemic at this point has definitely gotten harder for me. I was doing much better in the beginning. And I think that's because if I really look at it, what happened was everybody kind of went home and isolated a bit, right? right? Well, that to me was like, oh, perfect. I get to do exactly what my inclinations are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like, I got this. I am a homebody. I like the quiet. I like to be left alone. I'd like to not think about having to do something tomorrow. You know, <laughs> schedule, right. all that stuff. It sort of disappeared and gave me a, a freedom that I felt very strong, to be honest. I felt mentally strong. I climb into bed at the end of the day and feel super secure, even though the pandemic was going on. Right. I, my first thought in the morning, it, it actually, it's not a thought. My first physical thing is a rush of panic and it's physical. And it's, that's where I start my day with this rush of panic. Wow. Uh, Jennifer, can you, can you speak to that? Sure. And you're not alone. That's a lot of people. The second they open their eyes, there's this whoosh and you feel it right in your stomach. It's like, it's like the elevator's dropping. Right? Yes, it is. Yeah. It's yeah. a horrible feeling. Pretty much at night now too, to go to sleep, all the thoughts are keeping me from falling asleep initially. And so I'm doing what you were speaking to, which is sort of the consciousness of leaning into it. And so I will lay there and I will do that. And then followed up by just the serenity prayer, you know, just right. like I do it over and over. I analyze the words. I try and paste it directly on, on the anxious thoughts I'm having. And then I eventually fall asleep. But what is funny is that my dreams or whatever are not kind of aiding and healing me. And so I wake up and there it is, the whoosh. Yeah. yeah. Whoa, we're back at square one. It's like a hollow, awful feeling. The thing people don't understand about anxiety, it's not as easy as just, oh, think about something else. Like this, It's complicated. And we'll get into some of the things that you can do today to really help. But that feeling is so real. It's so physical. It would literally yeah. be like if you're on an elevator and then it, it's, you start falling, right? And you're like hanging by a thread and someone's saying, oh, you know, just calm down a little bit. They think of your happy place. Like, yeah. When you get that anxious, it's really difficult. So part of the work is to be doing it all day long. So for anyone who struggles with anxiety, this is a kind of constant checking in with yourself throughout the day. And it's interesting you're saying this, Mo, because how you fall asleep and how you wake up is really important. Let me give you a couple strategies for that whoosh feeling because it's awful. Yeah. It's literally the minute you're kind of awake, it's like, oh, right? Yeah. 
the first thing, which is so simple, and I've talked about it a lot on the show, but it, it's actually really important, is you just drop your tongue on the bottom of your teeth. Just, just let it go soft. And when that happens, your stomach will release. They're connected. And it's a very subtle symbol or signal to the brain that you're not actually in imminent danger. This is actually, you're, you're taking your tongue and you're mm-hmm. just resting it on the, on the back of your, of your teeth. And yeah, on the bottom of your teeth, the, the bottom bo- of your teeth. Bottom so you're of just your telling your tongue goes off. Yeah. And when you do that, it's connected to, you know, that whole system is connected. So your stomach will actually relax. And you can feel that when you relax your tongue, your stomach muscles will let go. Yeah. Now your stomach muscles tighten because you wake up, you have that whoosh and your body thinks, well, something's going to attack her. Something's going to jump on her. That's, that's the only reason she's feeling this way. There must be something that's imminently going to attack. It's pretty much what I do. I mean, I, I haven't heard about the dropping the tongue thing, but when that happens, I know the first thing that I do to counter it because I obviously I am feeling it in my gut. So I do a very deep breath into my gut, you know, and feel the expansion. I like to overpower that anxious. Beautiful toxins, you know, and just be in control of it, if at all, you know, if yeah. I can. Yeah, it's yeah. lovely. That's an override. And that's, that's your frontal lobe. Yeah. Right? Stepping in. So yeah. when, so you just add that, you can add that technique to what you're already doing. I will drop my tongue. Yes. Which is our new bumper sticker. I will drop, <laughs> drop my tongue. tongue. Yeah. And then followed by the kind of relaxed, slow, deep breathing. There's also a breathing that you can do. I call it phew breathing. Like, you know how when something's happened, it turns out, okay, you're like, phew. It's the same kind of signal to the brain. So you breathe in twice really sharply, like, and then you go, phew, like that. And you do that two or three times. And it, it's, a, it's a reflex in the brain that actually, that feeling that all humans do when something's turned out okay and you were scared and then you're not, is like, oh, phew, right? That feeling. So you can add that. That sometimes helps. Those big exhales have been yeah. very helpful over the past couple months. You know, yeah. the anxiousness does feel so real. It kind of, it's like coming up for water, right? Like you're, yes. you're spending a lot of time in the deep end of a pool mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. you come up and you take whew, a big breath so that you can kind of go back in. Exactly. That's how I feel a lot lately. Well, and so, and here's a few other things you can do in the morning because what often happens is you get that whoosh. Oh my God, what do I have to do today? What's going on? And it's, it, there's sometimes it's pre a thought even, and it sounds like that's true yes, for you. It's literally the feeling first, right? Yeah. It's totally. And I haven't thought of anything yet. Yeah. <laughs> so then what you can do before you get out of bed, after you've taken your breath and after you've dropped your tongue and you just kind of relaxed, I love to just think of like, I don't know, five places, five people people are, work really well. You just kind of imagine your favorite people and you imagine gazing into their eyes, like looking right into their eyes and just telling them things that you so appreciate about them. Okay. And let your body tune to that. Your brain is a tuner. It's an instrument. We get to control what we tune it to. Whenever you are anxious, you're inserting yourself into the future and living an event as if it's happening now. Any thought that starts with what if, Unless it's happening right in front of you in that moment, and then that's a crisis moment. There's not very many strategies that will help you, right? It's just the way that it is. But if you're lying in bed worrying about the virus or the wildfires or your finances or whatever, if it's not anything right in front of you, then you're now inserting yourself into your event and living it. And then the midbrain thinks it's happening. If you're sad and depressed, you're inserting yourself into the past and reliving it. Freedom is in the now. And unless something is happening right in front of you right now, 
which is what the fight or flight response is actually for, you're inserting yourself into the past or the future. And so stay in the now. And that's exactly what you do when you're in gratitude, right? When you're putting your feet on the ground, when you're taking stock of all the things that you appreciate. And the now is really where we have freedom. It is. It's absolutely true. What's interesting too is that, you know, this even happened to me last week, is that I became really more aware of my whole fight or flight thing and that my brain, I told myself that my brain was trying to protect me because it felt I was in danger. And in saying that, it actually gave me immediate relief. Mm-hmm. Being in relationship to, to what's going on in your head is that your brain is trying to do something. You talk about this all the time, Jennifer, is that anxiety gets a bad rap because it's actually your brain doing its work. It's your limbic brain doing it. That's its Mm -hmm. job. That's what it's supposed to do. So when we say we have the Olympic games, we go into these games that we play with ourselves. You know, nobody teaches you how your brain works. And it's important to kind of know these things so that you don't have to panic. You can say, well, this is just my brain interpret. Thank you, brain. I'm going on right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this thing that I want to do. But thank you for trying to protect me because I know that that's your job. There isn't a saber-toothed tiger in front of me. I'm going to calm down now, but I see what you're doing. Can you actually have those kind of conversations with your, with your brain? Do you actually do that, Jennifer? Yes, of course. Absolutely. Absolutely. You, you are the thinker of your thoughts. So anytime you're taking that perspective, you're pulling the lens back on the camera and looking at the big picture, you're going to be using your frontal lobe. You're going to be using the higher order thinking, the part of your brain that actually takes perspective, inhibits, organizes, prioritizes, all of that stuff. And the hardest thing about the limbic brain is it, it can override the frontal lobe and does. And so the more we're habitually thinking these fearful thoughts that we're in these kind of fear patterns and not actually trying every single day to get the reins back, the more the limbic system thinks, oh, Ed's alive. He's alive because I worried that much today. I did a spectacular job. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ratchet it up a teenth tomorrow just so he's even safer. Oh. That, that's the thing about anxiety. Like it likes to take territory. And if, if, you, if it thinks you just survived something, it's going to do that again and more. Right. So, so Mo, I, I have a couple things I wanted to just, uh, just ask you because you are a great improviser. You're a great actress. You've done a lot of comedy. You've done a lot of training. Are there improv skills that actually help you in your everyday life? I mean, do you rely on some of the things you learned at, uh, at Dudley Riggs or some of the things that you've learned in your entertainment background? Yes, absolutely. The number one rule of improv, the yes and, right, where you say yes and move the story forward, is one of the greatest survival skills uh. a person can have. If you're saying, uh, we're talking about being in the moment, if you say yes to that moment, you can move forward through it. You know, you're not looking behind, you're not looking, you're just staying in that moment. It's that one foot in front of the other sort of thing, one day at a time, one minute at a time. But that yes and and all my improv skills have, are actually my survival skills. But also just the very nature of being, of choosing <laughs> this crazy comedy as a career path and understanding that you're actually seldom safe financially and everything. You are constantly on a roller coaster. You can never be totally comfortable. There's always a level of insecurity. Everything I learned with the improv and being in the business of comedy and such is that that is actually 
now a comfortable place to be, which is in the insecure place. It's as familiar as anything else is to you. That is exactly right. In fact, you can have moments where, you know, let's say you have one consecutive check after another, roof is over your head and everything. That's where I start to go, oh God, oh no, this can't last. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this is, I'm not having to use enough of my skills here. You know, <laughs> this is too good. This won't last. My daughter, she and I watched uh, Parks and Rec. We watched every single episode of Parks and Rec in the last uh, couple months. And we were watching your character, your Joan Calamets. One of the funniest things I've ever seen. I know a lot of listeners will remember the stuff. And one of my favorite things was you actually being so drunk that you couldn't host the talk show and that you yeah. were actually, you know, on the floor and in different physical positions. That was insanely hysterical. I was supposed to be removed, you know, in the script. Joan then is gone. Nick just continues to host the show. But the director was so great. He's, he said, Mo, just, and this is where the improv came in. He's like, just be in a different position every time. Being who I am, I went more and more ridiculous. And I just thought, well, we're having fun in this moment. It'll never be used but as long as this moment is fun for us and we're all having a good time, that's what I'm here for. There's that now. He found a way to beautifully use, I mean, who planks when they're passed out? Well, you did. You, and you kept extending it. So it was like yeah. every time was bigger than the next. And I know you love to do yeah. physical things. So this was just amazing. He made it work. He made that segment just get more and more ridiculous and somehow still stay grounded in that Parks and Rec world. It was incredible. Will you just tell the story about going for the Judd Apatow audition for, I think it was the 40-year-old virgin, I want to say, and there was a group of people who were reading and you had to come in. It was like a dating thing and you had to wear a name tag. Can you, can, do you remember that story? I had actually improvised for Jane Lynch's part, which I did not get, but they liked my improv skills. So I got called in for the speed dating scene. And those of us that were brought in for that, you know, with me, they just said, just do whatever you want. And they had everybody that was gonna be the speed dating people just write a name on a, on a name tag. You know, I wrote Gina, but in that moment, improvising with Steve Carell. <laughs> oh. He goes, hi, Gina. And I go, it's Gina, what's up? And I, I, remember that I thought in that moment they were going to cut the camera and send me home because I'd probably gone over the line, right? Like, because I just kept going. I thought, well, I've said Gina. I'm just going to really lean into this and say horrible, dirty things. They didn't cut and they didn't, they kept going. I thought, all right, I'm in deep. And then after, I don't know how long the initial improv was, 15 minutes, they cut camera. The place erupted. Then I went, oh, okay. Okay, I'm not fired. That $300 day improvising is what landed me the role that I'm doing now on Fear the Walking Dead. It's because of that character that I now get to play Sarah on Fear the Walking Dead. It's crazy. So this is not a comedy, obviously. This is a drama. So is your attitude different in this kind of a show? Or is it really just the same kind of intention well, because it's not a drama or a comedy to you, the, the person that you're playing. My character is definitely there to bring light into the dark. There's comedy to my character. She, she is witty. She is funny. She's not your typical character on a drama. 
it's also very different because I'm playing that within the confines of a drama. I can't have my character be a joke. She has to be real, but she does tell a joke, if you will. But it's, it's so different. It's so more subdued from obviously what I've been doing over the years. You have been through a lot. You're a cancer survivor. And yeah. I remember the night when you actually told the audience that you had cancer. It was on a show that we were doing. And so yeah, how cor courageous that was. What was amazing in that night that we did the show is that you reversed roles with the cancer and, you, and the cancer actually talked back to you. Yes. And the cancer said something that I've never, you know, it was amazing. It's a, what it said was that, you know, you wanted something to do in your life. So I gave you something to do. Now there's no way that you could have thought of that. That came out of you. So obviously you were tapping into something there, but very courageous to, to step out like that. And that's, that's like a key uh, element of, you know, your performing is, is the courage, the courage to take, to make choices, to take risks, and to and to go forward. Mo, that was amazing. It's incredible, like the bravery and and the fact that your frontal lobe just took that and decided, okay, what am I going to learn from this? What's yeah. the message? Even in really scary situations like cancer, that's what gives you power and strength. And and I was really struck by, you know, life is an improv. Exactly. It, it is right. So if you can just access that part of you that can be doing those crazy things, you know, on the talk show. And just see yourself as okay. I am Mo. I am not. I'm not actually Mo. I'm. I'm pure consciousness having an experience as Mo. And yeah. what's today going to be like? Right. What am I going to learn today? And life needs contrast. I mean, obviously not such big contrast, but there needs to be some contours and some contrast. Nobody would want to watch a movie where everything went perfectly the entire time. You'd fall asleep. We we need to start to really. And you've done that. Um, value the ups and the downs a little bit. And they, they come in waves and there's movement and you have to kind of trust that this scene will end and there'll be another scene. Well, you know, I mean, I have a lifelong history of depression. And it's like these things, you'd think they could lay me out flat, not to say that they don't at times, but it is also, thankfully, it's such a shit kicker, yeah. you know, that I, I can't be depressed. I have to be strong mm -hmm. and just deal with it. That's good for somebody with my depression to have to deal with something. When depressed, you don't want to deal with anything. Yeah. When it has the imminence of, of cancer, you have to deal with it. You have to deal with it. Exactly. You can't yeah. lay there and hope it goes away. It's incredible. And that's in you. And that was always in you. That's amazing. That strength and that ability. But it's great. To kind of now I know that, you know, and yeah. there lies yeah. that capacity. It's like, that's a gift to know that it's in there. That's true of anybody who's listening. There, there are these things that are inside, inside of us if we choose to listen to them and if we choose to make choices about it, no matter what the choice is, even if the choice is I'm going to hide under the covers today. If you make it consciously, it's still a choice. And as long as you're making a choice, you have some awareness. And as long as you have a second of awareness, you can make choices in your life about how you relate to your thoughts and feelings. That is so, mental health. That's what mental health is. It's about how it. you relate to your thoughts and feelings. I love that you mentioned this sort of like if you w admit to yourself, you're going to lay down. Because literally this morning, because my anxiety was really strong, I said to myself, you know what, Mo? If you need to take a nap this afternoon and just shut it down, 
you're going to do that. And I'm going to let you do that. And you're just going to do that. You're not going to yeah. stay doing in the, you know, the things that are making you anxious right now, go take a goddamn nap, go do it. So I've already given myself permission for that. Now who knows if it'll happen or not, but I love that I know I've already made it okay for myself if I want to do that. That's really important though. And that's self-care. That's self-love. Self-parenting. Really, self-parenting, exactly. And most people will lie in bed feeling guilty. I should be doing something else. What's the matter with me? Why am I such a this and a that? And the truth is that's a really good strategy. That is a, one of the biggest strategies you have against anxiety is to shut off all the stimulation. Draw the blinds, lie in bed, grab your, grab your gravity blanket and just let all the stimulation go. Let all the noise that's happening around you just go and give yourself permission to do that. That's a really good strategy for anxiety. I'm actually interested to see now that I've given myself that permission and it's literally kind of dangling out there like a lollipop. I'm interested to see if just where I land because I know that the lollipop is there and that it's okay. I'm interested to see if my anxiety level is down and I don't actually need the nap. It, it often is just knowing that you've given yourself that permission and you can. Yeah. You now don't have to. Yeah. Especially in these times, we all need permission. We need, so we need permanent permission slips. And uh, I just signed mine and I signed the wrong name. So that's not good. <laughs> that's not a good thing. But, that, but at least I signed something. I don't know what name I put. It is so great to talk to you, and I'm so glad that you were, you know, you sound really good. This is a crazy time, but yeah. you, you sound really good, and I'm, I'm very happy to hear that, and I think you've helped a lot of listeners by I know, was just thinking that, Mo, there's going to be so many people who just feel what you're feeling and recognize everything that you were saying, and the, the key thing, and Ed, you were talking about this with uh, Garrison Keillor, you're not alone, Right. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. You're not the only one. This is really what it is. And I'll, I'll just uh, leave you guys with this as this is something I was going to do before, but it is, a, I'm trying to work on a driving test. And this is a driving test for how to drive your own brain. It's a license. And everybody, you know, should have some kind of education about how their, how their brain works and how to practice. It's just a practice, right? If there are two thoughts that come to an intersection in your head, who has the right of way? A, negative thought, B, positive thought, C, I don't want salad again, or D, I have no money. The answer is B, reach for the positive, reach for the better thought. It's not avoiding, it's not denying what is, it's just sort of saying I'm going to calibrate my head in a different way. The correct response to thinking about what you don't want is A, I'm a bad person, B, I have to do everything perfectly, C, A and B, D, just be aware, breathe, and think about anything you love. This has been amazing. I really want to thank you, Mo, for uh, taking thank the you, time. Thank you, Mo. This was beautiful. Oh, thank you guys for ha having me. This, is, uh, this, this couldn't have come on a better day, to be honest. Oh, good. Great. good timing. Okay, so Ed, watch. Do we get to find what C is? <laughs> uh, we get to find out. Yes, C is watch the Fast and Furious on your phone. And, <laughs> and of course, the answer is always C. <laughs> at any, at any, or whether it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, or eight, watch it on your phone. I'll tell you guys listening that we're going to start giving away some prizes on the show. We're going to start doing some quizzes. And the first prize that we have is the mental health is hot potholder. I'm not, I'm actually not kidding about this. We've ha I've had it designed and because that's what the whole tone of the show is something that's useful and fun. 
and silly about mental health. So the mental health is hot potholders are going to be yours. We'll tell you how to get them on the next show. And we'll point you to where you can find us. You can subscribe. You can go to makelightmedia forward slash podcast. Makelightmedia.com is where you can find us. You can also find us on Spotify, on Apple, on Google Deezer, on TuneIn, wherever you get your podcasts, you can find us. Please subscribe. Please share the show. And please keep coming back. It works if you work it. I want to thank Jennifer Kalari as always. Thank you so much. Mo Collins, Fear the Walking Dead. Watch her. Find out everything about Mo because she is incredibly talented. And we'll talk to you very soon, okay? Have a great week. 